Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You are listening to the Technical Foul Podcast for Sunday, June 23rd, 2018. I'm your host, Manny Fresh. Uh, happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers, dads out there that listen to the show. Uh, sorry for no show last week. I know I had promised a, a show last week, but I kind of, I was sitting there, I was plotting the schedule for the week and I was trying to get a couple guests on that week. And I was, you know, I just knew that my schedule was going to be crazy with Father's Day. Um, and I just, you know, I just kind of knew everything was going to be crazy. So I was like, ah, I was sitting there. I was like, ah, I got to find the time. And then my guests didn't quite line up the way I wanted to. So I just kind of sat there and I was like, do I really want to do a solo show? I had some things to talk about. Obviously, the Kawhi news from last week, um, you know, I had some baseball topics to get into. But I was like, ah, you know what? Schedule's going to be rough. And I don't know what if I had the, quite the time to do it this weekend. So I just figured, you know what? Take a week off. Start fresh next week. Um, you know, and uh, do the show. So that's what I did, man. So you guys were wondering, I took a little bit of a break, self-imposed break last week <laughs> to do the show. Uh, no issues, no worries, man. I'm back, ready to go, ready to rock, ready to roll. So yeah, man. So I took a, a much needed break from the podcast last week. Um, just schedule wise, uh, just was going to be hectic, but yeah, happy father's day to all the fathers out there, man. Uh, hope you guys had a blessed and happy father's day. Hope you guys enjoyed everything and enjoy time with your families, with your kids, especially. So yeah, man, happy father's day to everybody. I also want to wish a special happy anniversary to my wife, uh, of six years. Stephanie, I love you. Um, me and my wife celebrated our anniversary yesterday, six years and counting, uh, six years full of arguments that she's eventually lost to me. So, uh, all good in there. So yeah, no, seriously though. Happy anniversary, babe. Love you. Um, happy anniversary to the wife. Six years. I can't believe it. It's, it's been, it's been six years, six years to the exact day 
and time too. It's like, you know, we met, got married Saturday, June 22nd, 2012. So yeah, man, it's, it's, it's big, big, big accomplishment, man. Six years, man. That's crazy. But yeah. Uh, yeah, man, we got Noah Tour on the show, uh, this week. He's going to join us to break down all the happenings in the NBA, specifically the NBA draft, NBA free agency coming up. Um, I'll get his thoughts on the NBA finals since we haven't talked to Noah really since last, well, when was the last time we talked to Noah? Actually, we haven't talked to Noah since the start of the NBA season. We previewed the NBA season, I think in October, we did a show with Noah and I think we haven't had him on since. I think that was the last time um, that we had Noah on. We had Noah last summer, really after like the Kyrie news broke. We had Ky- we had Noah on, and then we had him on in October to preview the NBA. And ever since then, we really haven't had Noah on. We had opportunities to have Noah, but we just schedule wise and 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 everything um, just really didn't line up the way we wanted to. So you know, now we have a chance to have Noah on the show. On the show, so yeah, that's that's pretty dope, man. We always like having Noah. Um, on the show, he always brings a lot of good insight, um, especially around the NBA and all that. So we'll have my man Noah Torn a little bit later. But, uh, first I just kind of wanted to get into the NBA draft. Just get my, my, my little feelings out of the way first. Um, I, I, you guys, I've been on record and you guys have heard me say that I'm not as high on the talent in this draft as I was last year. I think this is about a five to six player draft, really. I think this is probably one of the weaker drafts we've had in a couple years. Um, I don't, I shouldn't say that. I think, I think this draft has the potential to be better than the last few drafts, but I just think for right now, if I think if I was analyzing it right now, I think this is about a five or six player draft that I really, really like. There's some prospects that have boom or bust potential for me that could, that could kind of sway that one way or another, depending on how they hit. But I think this is really about a four or five player draft. I really, or five or six player draft that, I think have legitimate opportunities to be very good players. It's hard to say you got four transcendent players. I mean, there's only been what two or three drafts in history that have, you know, more than one or two transcendent players. So it's hard to say that. I think this draft has, obviously, if you're looking at it, Aiton, Bagley, one and two, and, and Doncic. I think those were the, like the big three, the, the headliners of this draft. I think if you, if you're going to look back now, I think you're going to remember those three as being the three biggest kind of names to come out of this draft. Um, Aiton and Bagley, um, there's been a lot of debate, at least in my circles about who's better, Aiton and Bagley. And they're different players in a lot of ways. Like I, they have some similarities, but they're different players in a lot of ways. You know, Bagley's more of your kind of new age stretch for he's long, wiry, wiry, athletic, can jump out the building. You know, he can do a lot of different things. He's mobile. He's athletic. Um, you, you know, he's kind of more of your traditional stretch four, can play a five, six, eleven, um, that type of big. And then you have Aiton, who's kind of your more traditional, you know, Center, you know, he's seven foot two. I think he's like two fifty or something like that. Big body bruiser type. Although he can't, he does have a face up game. He does have a, a a perimeter game. You know, he's more of your prototypical center. When you think of your prototypical big man, you think of your 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 Embiid's, your cousins, that type of of center. He's that kind of guy. Um, so there's, they have some similarities. They both have a, a pretty good perimeter game. They're both pretty decent shooters from the outside for big men. Um, I think Bagley shot 40% from three. I think they both actually shot 40% from three. 
Um, I think Aiton took a. I, 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 I haven't looked up the stats completely, but I think Aiton took a couple more three pointers than Bagley, or it could have been that Bagley took more three pointers than than Aiton. But they're both pretty good outside shooters for big men. Um, they have some similar traits in their game, I, but I overall I think they're different prospects and. Of course, me being a Duke guy, I've, I've watched more of Bagley than I have Aiton. I saw Aiton a little bit. I saw some of his mixtapes coming out of high school. Um, and then I saw, I think I saw maybe three or four Arizona games this year. Um, and look, Aiton is great. Like, I'm not going to, like, if, if somebody made a reasonable argument to tell me that Aiton was the number one player in this draft, like, I couldn't argue it. If somebody told me Bagley, I would agree with them. I think Bagley, but it, but it's, you can't argue either one. I think they're both gonna, they both have the potential to be really good, really special. I think if you, if you had to ask me who I think are the three guys, the two guys that have the chance to be transcendent in this draft, I think Bagley and Aiden. I, I, I think those are the two. Doncic kind of a, a, a close third. The chance to be truly like transcendent superstars, face of the league type players. I think that Doncic has that potential. I think Aiton has that potential. I think Bagley has that potential. I think guys that have the other three or four guys that I mentioned that have the opportunity to be very, very special players. I think Porter has that chance if he's healthy, and I'll get into that. Um, I think, uh, I think Trey Young has a chance to be that. We'll get into his evaluation. Um, you know, and I think there's a couple other guys. I think Miles Bridges. I'm higher on Miles Bridges than other people are. I think Bridges is, I think he's completely underrated. You know, it almost feels like it hurt him going back to college last year. I really do. I think Michigan State didn't know what to do with Miles Bridges. So I think that kind of hurt his stock a lot. Um, and I think Mo Bamba has the, has the opportunity to be a very special player. Um, there's a couple other guys that I like. But I think those are I, I, like if you had to like, put a gun to my head right now, those are the guys that I look at as saying they have that special trait in this draft. Um, but yeah, Bagley and Aiton, like I think those guys have immense level of talent. I think they both can be transcendent superstar players in this league for a long time. I personally favor Bagley more. I know it's you know first people will say it's Duke. Ah, you, of course you're in favor Duke. And somewhat of that is true, but no, but seriously, I, I think I've seen Bagley more and I think Bagley to me, I think he just has more ups. I, I, I know people disagree with me completely. I think, I think Bagley has a little bit more upside than Aiton. I really do. Cause I think Aiton, I don't want to say he's a, he's a finished product, but he's close to kind of being what he's going to be. Like, I think Aiton is the, like, I think Aiton can come in next year and have an average 18 and 10, like off the start, like, off the rip, he's going to average 18 and 10. Like, I think he's more of a, you know what you're getting in Aiton. He's a more of a finished product than I think even Bagley is. And even Bagley, I think, could come in next year and really dominate from the, from the get go. But I think Bagley has a little bit more of a ceiling because Bagley to me, if he just improves his D, de- and I think the defense angle was a little bit overblown. Like, he wasn't great defensively at Duke, but he also, I think he, I think, a, he's 19 years old, and a lot of guys come into the NBA without playing defense. Like, so that, that knock always, I always find it a little bit annoying and a little bit overblown. Like, oh, he doesn't play defense. He can't play defense. Oh, he's not a great defender. He's not a willing defender. I always find that a little annoying because I'm like, that, that's a little bit of a cheap, cheap shot. Like, a lot of guys come into this league and not, are, and are not great defenders. So I don't really buy that argument necessarily, but I think Bagley has a chance to just get better. I think he has a chance to get better defensively. 
I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna get bigger, which is scarier. Like he's already 6'11 now. I think he has a chance to get bigger. He's got a chance to put on a more of an NBA body because he's, he's slight, he's slight of frame right now. He's really a skinny, tall, lanky kid. Like he has a chance to put on muscle, to get bigger, to get stronger. Um, so that will only help his, his, his play. I think if he goes to a team that kind of uses, utilizes him, cause at Duke, he played a lot of the five while Wendell Carter played a lot of the four and, um, I think he's better suited for the four. Just his skill set, his game, the way he can leap, the way he can run, and he's athletic. I think he'll be a matchup nightmare for some fours. Um, he can play the five, and he's competent at playing the five, but I like him better as the four. I really do. I think I like him better at the four. Um, so I think if he goes to the league, I think he'll play mostly four. Um, but I like, I, 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 people have asked me to give a comparison to who I think Bagley reminds me of. And I think Bagley reminds me of Marcus Camby, but I think he has a chance to be better than Marcus Camby. I think he's a more, he's a more offensively gifted Marcus Camby. Like Marcus Camby was, they have kind of the similar frame, although I think Marcus Camby was taller. He was seven foot. Um, they have a similar frame. Marcus was long and lanky and Bagley's the same way. I think Bagley has a chance to be, um, that same type of player, but I think but I think offensively Bagley's just light years ahead of, of Camby. Um, but I think they're they're similar players. So if if I had to choose like who I think could be, I think just think of Marcus Camby with offense is is the the comparison that I've gave out there for people that have asked my opinion about it. Like I think I think Bagley is Marcus Camby with a J <laughs> essentially who could score, and that's scary to me. Because I think Marcus Camby was a very good player, very good player in the NBA, great defensive player, great big man for a long time. Wasn't the greatest offensive player as we know, but I mean, he had that little, that little 18 footer that was, that was, that was money. But for the most part, uh, Camby wasn't a big offensive player, but Bagley has a chance to be that and more. So I think his floor, I think his ceiling is a little bit more than I think Aiden. While Aiden, I think is more of a finished product. He's a, like a ready made, formulated, from clay product. I think Bagley still has some refining to do in his game. Um, but, and then Aiden does too, to a certain extent. I mean, uh, you know, Aiden, uh, has got to get better defensively. There he goes. That, that defense, uh, knock again. Um, I think his motor's got to improve a little bit. The, the games that I saw him play, um, he, he kind of was indifferent. I saw him in that, uh, I saw him in a, in an Oregon. I can't remember the fucking game I saw him in. Um, it was a Pac-12 game, and I kind of felt like he took some plays off. He really didn't play as hard as I would have liked him to see. And it was a big game, too. Um, so I think his motor's got to improve a little bit. Um, you know, I think I think a product of that is also that he played against another seven-footer in, in, in Arizona that I think it kind of created some issues for spacing for him and didn't create, didn't allow him a lot of space to kind of create and kind of dominate on a low block. And I think that'll, that'll be improved obviously when he gets in the league. I mean, look, I, again, I'm, I'm splitting hairs. Like I think Aiton and Bagley are just two great prospects. Like you can't go wrong with either, honestly. Like they're both just tremendous prospects. Um, and in 10, 15 years when we grade this draft, and that's when you can really grade this draft. That's another thing. Like I hate when teams try to grade drafts the night of or two days after. Like you can't grade draft picks and drafts the nfl it drives me insane too but i think in the nfl is a little bit better to do even then i think it's stupid you can't grade these drafts at the very least three to five years you could you can grade drafts three to five at the earliest you could grade it grade them is, is three to five years you can't grade this draft now you don't know what luka Doncic is going to be right now you don't know what marvin bagley is going to be you got to give these guys at least these guys are coming into the league at 19 years old they're not even finished products yet 
They're babies. They're kids coming into a man's league. They're not finished products yet. And I know it's kind of contradictory to what I said with Aiden, but I mean, you know what I mean. Like, they're not finished. They're not ready-made products yet. Like, these guys still have a lot, a long way to go. And that's that's what I think is the difference between the NBA draft and the NFL draft is that, you know, these guys have been in college for three years. They've played, you know, they're 21, 22 in a lot of cases. So they're they're grown men coming into the league. It's different in the NBA where these are kids. These are babies <laughs> coming into the league. And, you know, you can tell us that's why, that's why you can't grade this. You can't grade draft picks. You can't grade, oh, I think the Nuggets won this year's draft. Like, we don't know. Michael Porter Jr., for all we know, could be a bust. I'd never stay healthy. You know, the, 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 the Charlotte Hornets won there. Like, we don't know. We don't know. So it's unfair to grade drafts. I, I don't know. I just had to get that out there. It's just, it's, it just drives me insane when I hear teams and people and experts say, you know, oh, uh, you know, grade this draft on this. Like, that's BS. You can't grade this draft. We don't know what these guys are going to be. We just don't. So it just drives me insane when I hear that. It really does. It really, really does. And the other thing that drove me insane from 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 the draft on Thursday night, and it, this was more of a negative, um, the NBA's got to get better about fucking uh, these trades and these announcements and when guys are going to get picked and traded and 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 when they announce these trades and and guys wearing the wrong hat. I, it, that shit drove me. I mean, it drives me insane every year because this shit happens every year in the NBA draft. But it drove me more insane this year. Um, the most egregious case was Michael Bridges. I mean, that was just fucking ridiculous. I mean, that was, but I mean, it happened with Trey Young and Luka Doncic. Now that one, we knew that there was a trade in the works. So they had, you know, that was, that had been rumored. That was the hot rumor on Twitter all, all night leading up to the fucking draft. So we knew that something could have occurred there. So that was a little bit different. But I mean, even then, I mean, it's ridiculous. The NBA's got to get better at this shit. I mean, you can't have these kids going out here doing media interviews with the wrong hats when trades have, have happened that have yet to be announced. It's stupid. It's dumb. It makes the NBA look fucking second rate. It makes the NBA look bad. Michael Bridges on Friday. I felt bad for the fucking kid. The guy's on there. He's doing an interview. You can see he's visibly ecstatic to be drafted by the fucking Sixers. Like his hometown team, a team he probably grew up or allegedly grew up rooting for. Like the dude is happy. His mom works for the organization. Like he's fucking ecstatic. And then, a four, and then a, you know, he's doing all these media interviews, how his dream come true, blah, 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 going from Villanova to playing Sixers. And he's happy to be there wearing a Sixers hat, yada, 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 just going on and on. His mom next to him there. So I like, dog, the, the shit was like a story, you know, a, a Hollywood story. And then 10 minutes later, hey, uh, you just been traded to Phoenix. Change your hat. <laughs> and then, oh, by the way, do the interview circuit again like you are you fucking kidding me are you fucking kidding me adam wake up you can't continue to let this shit happen these picks have to these trades have to be done or at least in principle done by the time they announce the pick you can't have this shit it's it's stupid it's dumb it makes you look fucking second rate oh my god that shit drove me insane on fucking thursday night and it's every year but this year it just felt like it was worse Every year, and it drives me insane every year. Like, can we have these fucking... And don't tell me that these teams just start talking on Thursday night. These teams have had conversations for weeks now. At least since since the since the draft lottery was announced. Or the, the results of the draft lottery were announced. These teams have had conversations. So don't tell me that these teams don't know or they're working on, you know, that night. No, they've had conversation in the weeks and days prior. So they know. They at least have a general understanding of what's out there, what they can get. Now, I know everything 
in real time, you know, things change when it comes to the, you know, draft night. Teams get desperate. Teams get an itch, whatever. I get that. But, the, you know, I'm sorry. The trades have to be announced before the pick is made. It just makes you look second rate. You know, everybody likes to knock the NFL. And, hey, I, I never hesitate to knock the fucking NFL. But you would never see this in a fucking NFL draft. Can you imagine the Browns drafting, you know, Baker Mayfield and then Baker Mayfield going doing all the interview circuits and all that? And then, oh, by the way, Baker, five minutes later, hey, the Browns have traded you. You're now an Arizona Cardinal. Change your hat and go through the interview circuit again. Like, are you fucking kidding me? That's stupid. It makes you look second rate. It makes the league look bad. You, don't, you wouldn't even see this in a baseball draft. Can you imagine that? You wouldn't even see this in the MLB draft. I mean, this is stupid. It's stupid. The league's got to do something about this. This is dumb. It ruins. It ruins the draft. It makes you look. It makes the league look stupid. It makes the league look second fucking rate. Like me and my friends are throwing this draft together. That's what it makes the league look like. Terrible. Ugh, drives me fucking insane. Have the picks, have the trades done and ready by the time Adam Silver is walking up to the podium. When he hands, when he, when they're handing him his card on what to say and what the pick is, have the trade done. At least in principle. Have it done. Is that too much to ask for? If the NFL, who's got what, 263 odd, some odd picks, essentially 275 players that are draftable at that point in time, if the NFL can manage to get this right, the NBA can, who's got 60 picks. So I don't want to hear excuses. Get the shit done right. I mean, oh my God, that shit drove me insane. Drove me insane. You know, you got Joe Blow, who's just drafted by the Knicks. He's going out there. He's giving a speech about how he's always wanted to be a Nick and blah, blah, blah. Five minutes later, he's on the fucking Pelicans. Like, come on. This is stupid. It's stupid. If it happened once, I'd say, okay, fine, you know, I can live with it. But, I mean, it happens every year, and it seems like it's multiple guys, multiple guys that suffer from that. Anyways, I'm done ranting with this. Uh, I'm going to take, take a quick break, and then I'll be back with Noah, uh, Noah Tor from the Noah Tor podcast. Uh, he's contributed for Bleacher Report. He used to write for Def Pen. He's done a whole bunch of things. You guys know uh, Noah. He's a friend of the show. Uh, so I'll have Noah, back, uh, Noah with me when I get back from the break. So uh, just hang in there. Take a, you know, go take a piss. Uh, go sip a little drink or something. Go chill. Uh, do something and get back, back to the podcast. All right? We'll be back. I am back with uh, one of our first guests on the podcast, our, our resident NBA expert who uh, is getting ready to start his freshman campaign at Baylor this coming fall. Our friend, the one and only Noah Tor. What's going on, man? What's going on? Much. How are you doing, man? It's been it's 
been a little bit. It's been a little bit, man. I clicked on Skype today, and it was like, man, last conversation, eight months. I was like, wow, that is way too long. Jeez, eight months? Are you, oh, that must have been of October. Of yeah, that was. I was just talking about it. We, we had you on because I remember last, you know, in 2017, we had you on, I think, three times. And then the last two times, it was like the summer because I remember we were just breaking down. Um, it was like, matter of fact, it was like this kind of show. We were breaking down a draft and breaking down all the Kyrie rumors. So I remember that. And then we had you on in October uh, to kind of, you know, preview the NBA season, whatnot, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, man, it's been about eight months. <laughs> it's been a little bit, but, hey, it's good to be back. Always good to be on with you, man. It's very good to be here. Cool, cool, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Uh, so I guess before we get down into draft and free agency and decision part three, I know we're both excited to just talk about that. Um <laughs> Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on the NBA season as a whole, man. I mean, well, not really as a whole because it's it's we're so far removed from it now. But the playoffs in gen in in, in general, um, Warriors again repeat as champions. Um, kind of wanted to get your thoughts on the on the conference finals, both series, because you know there's been a lot of discussion about those series and the end results of them. Cavs, you know, beating the you know the Celtics in seven. Let's start with that one first. Um, I talked about that series. I kind of felt like the Celtics' youth and inexperience showed itself in the worst possible time. Um, but I do think that they, you know, I, I didn't like some things that I saw there. I, I didn't like Brad Stevens, the way he coached that game. It kind of felt like he hung in there way too long with Terry Rozier. What was your thoughts on that game and, and that series as a whole? Yeah, no, I think that series, it definitely, after watching the Cavs from the, from the first round, I definitely, that played out the way I expected it to. I thought the Cavs went seven. Um, I obviously like going into the playoffs at the beginning of the season. Going into the playoffs and the beginning of the season, I thought the Cavs were gonna go all the way to the finals, no problem. LeBron's gonna carry them, but I definitely thought other people were gonna show up. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it would just be the LeBron show all the way through. Something that I actually noticed was like. I don't know how true this is, but every time LeBron scored more than forty points, the Cavs one except for that one game but if, if he ever didn't score more than 40 i'm pretty sure they lost or it was there might have been a couple usually he had to score 40 points for the Cavs to win and that's unless you're michael jordan like that not possible that you're going but i don't even know if michael jordan could have done could have won that series um yeah but just for the the celtics and Cavs, i definitely think that series played out the way i thought it was but yeah, Brad Stevens hung with Terry Rozier too long, but it's all about like, like I think Brad Stevens likes to have confidence in his guys. He was just showing that he didn't want to pull him, but I understand what Brad Stevens was trying to do. But he hung in there way too long with Terry Rozier. Yeah, I, I, I was I was blown. I you know me I'm I'm a LeBron hater, so of course I'm rooting against even if even though it's sickened me as a Laker fan to have the root for the Celtics. Um, you know I'm sitting there and I'm wow. like, what is he? You were just you were rooting for the. Uh, I wouldn't say rooting for the Celtics. I was just saying I didn't want LeBron to win. So you take that. You interpret that whichever way you want to. You want to interpret that, my friend. Um, but no, man. I was just sitting there and I'm like, dude, he's got to get Rozier out of here. I mean, Rozier is basically fucking throwing up on himself. Like, you got to get him out of the game. Like, what is he doing? I mean, he's just chucking, giant. Oh my god, he's just going up the court, basically one on five, just chucking up shots. I'm like, what is he doing? And I and I like Rogier. Rogier's been great this all, you know, wasn't great the entire postseason. You can make the case that yeah. you know, outside of Jason Tatum, he was their second best player in the in, in the po- in the postseason. And he just, God, I mean, I that just really drove me insane. I'm like, man, you got to get this kid out of the Shot game. Played. 
he was trying to play JR's fifth year of basketball. Oh, I, he was trying to do something. I don't know what it was, but he was trying to do something. But yeah, no, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I disagree. I, I thought when that series started, I thought the Celtics had a lot of momentum, and I thought that the Celtics, I, I didn't think, I thought it was going to be a long series. Like I thought the Celtics would win in six, but I mean, it kind of played out the way I thought it would play out. I guess. I mean, I, I well, I shouldn't say that because I thought that Game Seven, I thought the Celtics still had the, still had the edge, still had the momentum. I thought the Celtics would figure out a way to win that game. And, you know, once they kind of took – I remember they took like an 11 or 12-point lead and you, and in the, and early in the second quarter, and you kind of felt like, man, they're, they're, they're in really good shape. And then it just – they just couldn't hit shots. I mean, they just they just went cold. Yeah, they were just – they were just broke from all over the court. I mean, I don't even know how you would go about fixing that just because when you get a situation like that where everybody's cold on the court, that's when you need to have that superstar on the team like Gordon Hayward or Kyrie Irving the court. So they can break the team out of the slump. Absolutely, out of the the slumps that they're in. So you just roll plays for them, pick and rolls. Gordon Hayward get him slashed into the basket. You know that the team rolling, but they didn't have any of that, so they just went cold and they couldn't recover. Yeah, I completely agree. And and the and the one the one coaching move that I I got to put this on Stevens. I, you know, is it fair? Who knows? But you know, I don't know if you remember the sequence, but uh, Jason Tatum. You know, hits the three. I think it gives them a lead. And then he comes down. Or I'm, I'm maybe getting the sequence wrong. He dunks on LeBron and then comes back and hits the three. Um, and I think they take a five point or, or a six point lead. I'm, I'm, don't kill me if I'm getting the sequence wrong. But anyway, there's two sequences there where Jason Tatum just basically just balled out. And then he never got the touch. He never got a touch for the rest of that game. And I think it was like eight, seven or eight minutes left in the game. And Jason Tatum never again touched the ball. Yeah, that one didn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't think Brad Stevens was also using a unique situation because he hasn't been um, just in that type of situation before. But again, being a smart coach that he is, I guess he was trying to maybe pull towards his more veteran players. If you count Terry Roche, veteran player, um, Al Horford, just trying to get those guys going. I guess he just doesn't really have a whole lot of trust in his rookie. But I mean, Jason Tatum has shown day in and day out just how reliable he is to the team and how how consistent he has been this whole season and mm-hmm. so he's not a typical rookie so I don't know why that played out the way it did but yeah I didn't understand that I didn't understand that I mean I couldn't understand and I know what you're saying like you know I, he probably didn't have a lot of confidence in his rookie in that situation but I mean if you watch the game he was the second best player on the court besides LeBron I mean Jason Tatum completely balled out in that game and I'm just like Get Jason Tatum the basketball. Like this is not this is not rocket science. But yeah, I you know I, I like Brad Stevens, but I'm like man that 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 game was not exactly a coaching clinic from his part. Yeah, it's all right. I mean the Celtics got next year where even if LeBron stays in Cleveland, the Celtics if with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward and the Cavs don't make any moves, which I don't see them foresee them making any big time moves. I don't see any players stepping up. Uh, the Celtics will make it to the finals. Yeah, I mean they, they've 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 got a squad, man. I mean they've they've uh, Danny Ainge. I mean everybody rips Danny Ainge, and I and I keep telling people, I'm mean, like, hey, he can he can be the GM of my team any day. Danny Ainge is a smart guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's smart. Sometimes you get the feeling that Danny Ainge is playing chess and everybody else is playing checkers. I mean, the guy just knows what the hell he's doing. I mean, he just yeah. he knows what he's doing. Um, yeah, no, we'll get into the Celtics a little bit uh, more later. You know, it's a lot of I don't know if I want to say Kyrie rumors, but we'll get into that. We'll get we'll get into the, the Celtics kind of future outlook, I guess. 
Um, and I guess we could just talk about the Rockets and the Warriors series. Did that series kind of play out the way you expected? Um, I, I went ballistic only like the way I can because I kept hearing that, you know, basically the Rockets, because the narrative out there is that the Rockets lost because Chris Paul was injured. And I'm just like, I'm sorry. You can't have a 17 point lead in a game six on the road and you can't have a 15 point lead game seven at home against a championship team and you're trying to win a championship and then tell me we lost because we, you know, our, be- our second best player was hurt. I, I don't want to hear that. They had the Warriors dead in two games and they let the Warriors get off the mat. I, I'm sorry. And again, I'm not an idiot. I'm not an idiot. I know that Chris Paul, if Chris Paul plays, who knows? Maybe the outcome is different. I understand that, but I can't give you a pass when you blow two leads like that. I'm, I'm, I just can't. Yeah, fight me off on that. Uh, my only, my only thing is like you, the, or the the Rockets, they had that 16 point lead, but also I do think you need that second superstar in Chris Paul just because the Warriors have that triple threat, quadruple, if you mm-hmm. want to count Draymond Green, um, that they can just they were not the best team. In that series, talent-wise, they were. They had, they have obviously the superstars. They got the coach, got everything that you need to succeed and win four games in a row against the Rockets. But they were not working as hard. They didn't look as hungry. They didn't look like they wanted it as much as the Rockets wanted it. With Chris Paul grinding it up, James Harden hitting the uh, stepping up when he needed to. But again, James Harden he fixed the narrative of he's a flop in the playoffs. I think. But he didn't step up in the way that I think he needed to to lead his team to success against the Warriors. This is where we're going to disagree. I don't think he fixed the narrative. I think he, I think he enhanced, at least in my book, he enhanced it. I mean, really? game okay. seven, 27 missed straight, 27 straight missed three pointers. That's a game right there where the game is up for grabs where a superstar, a guy of James Harden, you know, all I ever hear is James Harden is this, James Harden is that, he's the MVP, yada, 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 blah, 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 60-point triple doubles, blah, 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 all these things that I always hear about James Harden. This is where you this is where you become a superstar in those moments in that game. I What I wanted to see from James Harden in that game is, hey, you know what? We're not shooting the three wall. Give me the ball. Get the hell out of my way. I'm driving to the basket every single time. I'm either going to bam it or they're going to foul me, one or the other. Like, that's what I wanted to see James Harden. Like, I wanted to see James Harden completely take that game over, and he didn't do that. And and and, and, yeah. and I know he had a – statistically, he had a great series if you want to count statistics. But there were a lot of – to me, Chris Paul was the best player in that series until he got hurt. Chris Paul was the best player in that series. And James Harden just had moments where he was just disinterested. I don't know what it is with him. I don't know if it's just his style of play doesn't doesn't translate well into the postseason or what. I just – I don't I – don't, I don't know, but I disagree with you, man. Like, I, I think he's heard his stock in the playoffs, man. I mean, this dude, I mean, it's just countless of times. He's just come up small in big spots. Yeah, I mean, the only thing with James Harden that I have a serious is his playoff performance, like we just said. But I think he has a hard time deviating from the Dan Tony game plan, which we saw not this postseason, but the last postseason when the Rockets, when he was completely abysmal. But I think having Chris Paul on the court with him gives him that confidence to deviate from D'Antoni's three-pointer only system. And then not having Chris Paul on there, I think, changed his mindset to the point where he just no longer feels comfortable anywhere on the court, honestly. I think Chris Paul can feel comfortable. And obviously being giving superstar label, he's going to be a top five player in the league. He needs to be able to survive without Chris Paul. That's, that's a given. Um, 
but I definitely I agree with you that he he flopped. I don't know if he hurt it. I think he might have either maintained it, but I think he made it at least a little better. Yeah, I mean, and I agree with you. Like, it's it's hard to knock him because they didn't have Chris Paul. Like, I, again, I can give him a pass for Game Six because it was Game Six on the road. The Warriors, the Warriors saw their fate in their hands and 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 just got off the mat. I give him the one that's unforgivable is Game Seven. Like fifteen. I mean, you saw that first half. They they ran the Warriors out of the building. Like they they just the Warriors just looked like a team that was just tired. That just looked like, hey, we're ready to go. Like, and the Rockets just completely just just. Just let them off the mat. Like they had them on the ropes, ready to be knocked down. And some, now you got to give the Warriors credit. I guess it's that championship medal, I guess, but you, you got to win that game. I'm sorry. You have to win that game, especially when you're James Harden, you're the MVP, you've been the toast of the league all year. That's a game you got to win. I'm sorry. That's a game Michael Jordan would have won. That's a game Kobe would have won. And I, you know, I know everybody hates to you know, roll their eyes when you compare to the greats of the past, but I mean, that's what we do in sports. I mean, if James Harden wants to be an MVP, wants to be a superstar, he gets $20 million a year. Hey, you're going to be compared to the greats. That's how it goes. You know, no one's going to compare you to, uh, you know, Mitch Richmond. They're going to compare you to Kobe. They're going to compare you to Jordan. They're going to compare you to Larry Bird. They're going to compare you to these guys. No disrespect to Mitch Richmond, but you know what I mean. But, you know, like, yeah, these are these are the comparisons that you're going to get. And, like, to me, Larry Bird would have never lost that game. Jordan would have never lost that game. Kobe, LeBron, all the criticism LeBron gets about be, not being clutch and, and all that. I, I think LeBron would have won that game. LeBron would have figured out to win that game. Like, that's I, you, 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 that's a game you, if you're James Harden, you tell Mike D'Antoni, you know what, forget system. Forget system. Forget, you know, all of that. Give me the ball. Get the hell out of my way. I have a question for you. Dude, What's up? I just just popped in my head. So, would you argue that the superstars of this generation, the LeBron, not Kobe, I think, well, you can include Kobe in this one, but like, so Kobe, LeBron, James Harden, Chris Paul, all the superstars of this generation, would you argue that they're not as clutch or not as hungry as the superstars of the previous generation, including like Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Larry Bird, and all that? Um. It's like a suit. I feel like that's a super subjective argument, but it's also it's, one it's, that I think needs to be had. It's very subjective. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, I. I think you can make a case for it. I think you can. I, I don't want to count Kobe in that because I think Kobe, even though he played, he overlapped some of this generation. Kobe's when you think of Kobe, when you when you when you remember Kobe, he's more of that throwback. That that. That guy from the yeah. past, like it almost feel like Kobe could have been dropped in 1979 NBA. Um, but <laughs> no, seriously. But um, to me, I, I think there's, I think there's something to it. I don't want to go out and, on a limb and say that it's all the superstars of today. I, yeah, you know what? You make an interesting. I, I don't, I don't want to say that. I don't, I don't want to sit there and say that it's all of them. I think that there's some of them who don't have that clutch gene. I think for a long time, LeBron didn't have it. I, I don't even think you can debate it. I think LeBron for a long time. And I think a lot of it was that I don't think he was really confident at the free throw line. So I think he was, he was afraid in late, late game situations to have the ball in his hand and have to be relied on to score because he wasn't a great outside shooter and he wasn't a guy who was great at the line. I think he's improved that a little bit where I think you, I think you see him a little bit more adept now at taking games over late because he, he has become such a, uh, he's become a better free throw shooter. I think I still, I think that's the one part of his game that I, th- I still think, you know, he still struggles with big time is free throws and big spots, but he's become a way better shooter than I've ever seen him shoot. Um, 
And so I think that's yeah. what's helped him. But I mean, I think you have a point there, man. I, you know, I don't want to sit there and say it's all the superstars of today. Cause I mean, I, that's a really subjective argument to have. And because there's not a lot of evidence, but like, how can you really support it evidence wise? Like, Oh, you know, these guys constantly lose in big spots. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know how to really answer that question. That's why I'm stammering. I think, I think there's something <laughs> to it though. I think there is something to it. I think there is something to guys, this generation, just not having that. That just that extra level, that something, that extra something, whatever you want to call that something, that, that extra clutch, sauce yeah, there. that clutchness, whatever, whatever you want to, whatever you want to classify it as, there is something to that. And I think James Harden just, I don't, he just, he just, he just, but he just, it's one thing to like your play signify that, but just his attitude, everything about him is just, it just, it's just in those moments, he just looks like he's just not comfortable. He just doesn't look comfortable. I think part of that also is, I think this gener, I think it's, I think it's the AAU generation. I think these guys are so used to being, oh. I think these guys are so that's used it. to, no, what are you saying? I was just going to say, that's a super good. Yeah, no, I think, I think the, it's the AAU generation. I think these guys are used to playing on these stacked teams and they're play, they're used to playing with other superstars or other really good players that I think that they've never really been in a position where they've been relied upon to be that guy. Like Jordan was like since he came into the league in 1984 like dude, you're that guy now. Like you're the guy. You know, same thing with, you know, with with Larry Bird, with Magic, you know, you want to take it into the 90s, Ewing, you know, David Robinson, you know, Kobe, Shaq, like you are the guy. So you are relied, like, I think this generation is different. Like, I think these guys come in, you know, they're in the, you know, they're in the rookie deals for four or five years. And then, you know, like, it used to be that the veterans, the guys that have been in the league for 12 years are talking about, Hey, I want to join up and go, go somewhere to win a championship. Now you got guys that, you know, you know, rookie deal, like, Oh yeah, I want to go somewhere where I can win a championship. I'm like, really? (laughs) It's like, you haven't even struggled yet. Like you've been in one playoff series. Like, really? That's, that's what we're doing. I mean, I, I, but I do think that it's that AAU generation. I think it's that generation of playing with multiple all stars, not just an AAU, but I mean, you've seen these guys in college play with other great players. So I do think that there's something to that. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think that, um, I do think that there's some superstars that don't have that clutch factor, but also there were some back in the day who did have that clutch factor. I agree. I think it's agreed. It's a yeah, like it's not a. I don't think it's a black and white issue. Like whether you say Kobe's better than LeBron or like whether Kobe's better than Gordon Hayward, it's not a black and white issue. But it is a subjective debate that I think kind of. I think some more people need to start having like you know the eye test for analytics. Uh, I think yeah. that that's become a big deal. I think this also could become a big deal just based on the fact that some people just talk about clutchness being a factor of greatness, but this debate is often talked about a lot. No, I agree. I, I, There's a hell of a question, man, and I, I, I definitely think that's something that should be explored. I, you actually put me on the, on the spot there because I was like, wow, I, I never actually thought about that until you asked me that. Like, man, are, are guys today – and I, I really do think that it's this AAU generation where I think it's it's affected it a little bit. I think that guys just don't have that same instinct on the basketball court to try to be that guy to take over. And to a lot of into a lot of it into a lot of extents, it's probably a good thing because I guess you can make the argument that guys are more team players now than they were back in the past. I guess I, I don't know. I guess you could kind of go go at it from that perspective if you wish. But yeah, I, I think it's a I think it's a debate worth having. I really do. And then I guess we, you know, I guess we can talk about the finals if you want to talk about them. I mean, any surprise there uh, with the war? I mean, any surprise there with the Warriors sweeping the Cavs? 
No, no. Uh, uh, yeah. Are you are you with me that too much was made of the J.R. Smith thing? I, I thought that was so overblown. Look, it was dumb, and it was like it's J.R. Smith. So like, are we really surprised? But I I couldn't believe the attention that got. Like people were saying that's the biggest blunder in NBA history. I'm like, really? Like comparing it to Chris Webber calling you know calling a timeout when he didn't have one in '93 in the national championship. I'm like, no, it's not. First of all, first of all. Even if they win, even if by some stretch of the imagination they win that game, the Warriors are still going to win that series. Okay, you want to say it's not a sweep? It's it, they win in five, six at the most. They still lose that series. So, a, it's not the biggest blunder ever. And it's just like I just thought that just got too much attention. Yeah, I think. Well, my thing with that is like, I think we live in a day and age now where social media is so prevalent, the news is so prevalent that anytime you see a mistake or a memeable moment, I think that just gets super blown up. And then the attention it gets then translates into people just talking how big the mistake is. The Chris Webber mistake is far and ahead way more <laughs> awful than what Eric Smith did. Because not only was that in game one of the NBA Finals, it was in a finals matchup that they that everybody knew they were gonna lose. Exactly. I don't know. Not to yeah. mention that you know, not to mention college basketball, it's one game, it's the national championship. There is no series. It's not like game yeah. you know, it's not like Chris Weber had game three to to think about to redeem his wrong exactly. or anything. Like, no, it's one game. And he was the star on the team. It's it's a little bit different. Um yeah. You know, and, and plus, I thought that I thought that the George Hill missed free throw was was way more egregious than that. I mean, to me, if you're George Hill, you got to make that free throw. I'm sorry, like, got to make Definitely. that free throw. At 80 percent free throw if shooter, you, you got to make that free throw. And if, even if you don't make the free throw, you got to at least if you're planning on. I mean, he obviously wasn't planning on missing it. But like, if you got a plan to miss it, you got to put it in a spot where your teammate can get it. I mean, he missed it in the perfect spot. Jared Smith got it, and I, I think. I, Okay, this is obviously not a runner as what Jerry Smith did after the fact, but before when J- George Hill missed the free throw, Bear Smith's tenacity to go up and get the rebound. All the Warriors true. didn't call it tenacity. All That's the Warriors true. were just kind of standing, That's standing true. around. But like, took that extra effort, went up there and got the ball like when nobody else was going to, but then he did. Uh, what he did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's J.R. Smith. I mean, why are we surprised? It's J.R. Smith. Yeah. Is that not like the most J.R. Smith thing to do? Uh, that is – what is – that's a good question. What is? What do you think the, is the most J.R. Smith thing that J.R. Smith has done? Oh, my God. Uh, we don't even have that much time to talk about it on this podcast, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can, we could do it literally – like, we could literally do an entire episode on J.R. Smith-isms. So, like – just ranking all the J.R. Smithisms. Yeah, exactly. He 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 probably have a whole episode of Shacking a Fool at this point for J.R. Smith. Um, but Wait, sir, well, I, well, then there's another question: Who's more Shacking the Fool, Javale or J.R. Smith? I think Javale. I think Javale's redeemed himself, man. I think Javale's redeemed himself. Javale has has found new life on the Warriors. He still has his moments. But, you know, still, I think JaVel is, like, totally different. Uh, JaVel, look, I, 10 years from now when JaVel is hopefully enjoying a happy life retired in his millions, like, I hope he writes a thank you card to Bob Myers and Steve Kerr, you know, Steph Curry, and everybody involved in the, in, in the Warriors organization for saving this man's career. Because JaVel McGee yes, was – because JaVel McGee was a laughingstock. And now he's like turned himself into like a semi, and he always had talent. That was the sad part about Javale McGee. Like he's he was always like a guy that was like 
this guy could be a talented player, like a talented role player in the league. It just he just did stupid things. But they saved his career. So right now, I think I think you gotta say Jr. Jr. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll go Jr. I think Jr. has more. Jr. has bigger moments that are far and few between, but Javale just has more of them. There's just like a there's like a lovable quality with with Javale. It's like uh, like he doesn't even know any better. But Jr. Smith, but Jr. Smith is just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, why? Like, you almost want to sit down with Jr. Javale's kind of like you want to just walk over to him and give him a hug. Give yeah, him a hug. yeah, right? So like, yeah. Like a seat, man. It's going to be okay. Absolutely. <laughs> With J.R. Smith, it's just like, why? Like, why? Like, why did that – it's like almost like talking to like a 10-year-old when they do something stupid. It's like, <laughs> like did you did, – like, did did this make sense to you? <laughs> like, why did this – like, yeah, no, it, it, yeah, man, I get it. No, but I, I just thought that whole J.R. Smith was so overblown. Like, to me, I thought the missed free throw and even the and even the charge, not charge thing was oh, – like, I didn't think it was overhyped. Like, look, it was one of those calls that could have gone either way. Like, I thought it was – I thought it was a charge. I've had conversations with several people that thought it was a block. I've heard I heard uh Steve Javi on radio, you know, days after the game, he said if you poll if you polled 50 officials, 25 would say it's a charge, 25 would say it's a block. So like I think what people really got upset about is the fact that they after the fact went went and reviewed it and reversed the call. And I think that's a bad look. I, I do agree with that. I think that's a bad look. I think you can't just arbitrarily start reversing foul calls. I don't care if it's a new rule implemented. It's stupid. Like, because to me, if you're going to do that, then why can't you review every, why can't you review every foul, every hit, every swipe, every poke, every, like everything. Why just, yeah, yeah, you're opening up a Pandora's box that you don't really want to open up. Yep. Because then it's, you're going to start doing what the NFL does, but the NFL and the NBA plays is totally different because when you do it in the NFL, it doesn't change the pace of play at which the teams are playing. But Absolutely. In the NBA, when you stop the game oh. to go and review a play, you you alter how, how the game is going and how quick it's going because then the teams have to get back into it. And basketball is totally different anyways because the way games start, mm-hmm. I've always thought this was kind of interesting. The way games start are so weird because you have all the players walk on the court and then it just kind of starts really mm-hmm. suddenly. Yeah. Nobody really gets into it. Yeah. Nobody really gets into it until like, after the first so then if you stop that pace of play then everybody has to get back into it after you already do it no yeah i agree man it's it's painful to watch man oh my god it's painful especially in the playoffs like i think it, it hurts the game it really does i mean it's just painful to watch Absolutely. i mean especially late in these games especially playoff games i'm like oh my god boss tipped out of bounds oh we got to go to the booth to see who reviewed it who's whose last fingernail touch like oh my god let's go let's go <laughs> like let's get and then it's like it takes 15 minutes and then you're watching officials you know intently looking at a monitor it's like oh my god come on come on let's let's wrap it up come on Let's, let's let's go. Let's get it going. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's 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 painful, man. It's painful. So yeah. I mean, I I, I kind of wanted to get your brief thoughts on on you know the happenings of the of the NBA season or at least the last month of the NBA season as a whole. Um, but yeah, let's 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 first talk about the draft, man. Um, what are your thoughts on this draft overall? I I, I talked about it uh, earlier that um, you know I don't think this is as talent laden as a draft as it was last year. Um, I think this is about a five or six player draft to me that you can remember that you'll look back and say these five or six guys were in this draft and wow, these five or six guys were the best players in this draft. And maybe I'm being too generous. Like, I don't think this is a, a really huge talent laden draft. 
Um, you know, break that down for a second. I I definitely agree with you on that. I think there's a there's a weird way to look at it because definitely last year I think had more superstar potential, mm-hmm. but this year has more role player potential. Like yeah. Kevin Knox, for example. I I definitely think Trey Young is going to be a role player. I don't think he's going to be the superstar player that. Um, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, but um, I definitely think that it's a more role player draft than a star player draft. Yeah, well, hey, you 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 kind of previewed it there. I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna give you about five or six prospects, and then you kind of give me your 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 kind of you know just brief thought on them. I guess we can start with Trey Young since you already previewed it. it to okay. me, he's a guy that. Everybody talks about Michael Porter being polarizing. Like, I think he's the most polarizing guy in this draft. Like, I think Trey Young is the guy that if, if you got it, you, you don't get a full consensus one way. Like, I, you get, if it was 50 guys, 25 love him, 25 think he's going to be a bust, like, or, or not as good. Like, you don't really get like an overall, like, yeah, he's going to be great. Like, there's a lot of question marks with Trey Young. Where do you sit? Like, to me, I, I'm, I, I can't, I kind of want to say like I'm in the middle. Like, to me, he's boomer bust. Like I can see him being great. I can see him being a bust. Like to me, there's no like he's. If I had to pick like one boomer bust guy in this draft, like he's the guy. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. No. Wait, would you pick Trey Young or would you pick Luca? This is kind of. I know we're getting into didn't in other territory. Would you um, pick Luca or? I just because I haven't seen Luca like I don't even I don't even think I don't even think it's fair like for me to even make an opinion on Luca because I just haven't seen him play like I've seen the mixtapes I've seen the highlights but that stuff you can't evaluate that stuff I mean you're just watching what you're watching an eight minute clip video of him playing you know FC Barcelona like I can't make an I can't make an assumption off that like you know. I mean, I, I, all I can do is like you, like you and other experts, you know, listen to the Fran Fachillas of the world and nod along when they say that this guy can do this, that, and the other. I mean, I, I, you know, I just have a straight, I think, I think if nothing, if at worst, Luka Doncic will have a Ricky Rubio type career where he'll be a good player, probably could be better than what he is, but you know, he'll have a solid career. Like I, I think he'll be solid. Um, will he be a superstar? I don't know. I, I can't make that determination because I haven't seen him play, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But to answer your question, no, I, I think I, I think Trey Young know. has more of that boomer bust potential in him because I think I think the consensus I think there's more of a consensus with Luca because I think most people feel like if at worst Luca Doncic will be like a a Bogdanovich or something like that like somebody like that that is a rotation player a guy that on on a decent team can maybe start. You know, be the fourth option on a team, something like that. I don't think. I think most people feel that way. Yeah, no, I definitely think Trey Young has that boomer bust. Just the the way that he carries himself, along with the way that he has, he just interacts with others. Now, everybody talks about him, how publicized he is. He's definitely the most controversial, polarizing, however you want to describe him, player in the draft who has the most boomer bust potential. Hundred percent. What do you? What's the? What's the one thing about him that I don't want to say you don't like? Because I don't. I don't get the feeling that you don't like him. You just don't think he's that great. <laughs> but what is the one thing that you just yeah. see that like I, I just don't see it? What's that one thing? Um, his shot selection and his inconsistency, or rather his inconsistency with his shot selection, if you will. Um, uh, I think he he already has a Steph Curry mentality, which you can't get in college because. 
not only does your three-point percentage shooting in college not matter when you translate to the NFL, but you have – or to the NBA, sorry, not the NFL. Uh, <laughs> but you can't have this – when you get this cocky mentality in college, it doesn't ever really translate to the NBA. Like, look at J.J. Redick. Like, I mean, he had – this big attitude in college, but no offense to JJ Redick. I love him as a player, but he's he's a role player now. He's a superstar. He was a superstar in college, uh, but now he's not in the NBA. Or you look at Christian Leitner. I know I just pulled out two Duke guys, but uh, <laughs> he, he, sorry, I know. My You're good, man. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. Um, Christian Leitner, superstar mentality, got to the NBA, complete bust. But that's completely different because they both. Um, just the way they play are different. So it's hard to compare players in college to how they're going to translate to the NBA. It's all just speculation because we ultimately don't know ever. Like, I mean, you can make your guesses, but we don't know. But I think Trey Young already has this mentality, and I think he's going to get a rude awakening in the NBA. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know where I sit with Trey Young. Like, some days I love him, and I think, man, this guy's got to be – you know, the the next coming of this guy. I don't think he's Steph Curry. I, I don't say – people forget, like, Steph Curry's six three and a half. Like, Steph Curry – you yeah. know, people – like, I know Steph Curry from, like, a – you know, from, like, size-wise, not a big dude. Like, he's not – you know, he's not 250 pounds. But, like, he's tall. He's lanky. Like, he's well, – not lanky. But he's tall. He's skinny and he's tall. And he can shoot. So, like, Steph – like, this this comparison to Steph Curry, like, you know, what what is Trey Young? Like, maybe six de- – if we're being decent, six one. Like, I thought it was like, let me look this. He's stuff. listed at six, six, is he listed at six two? Yeah, you know those listings are are iffy. Yeah. But anyway, but if okay, but for the sake of argument, six two. He's a small six two. Like he's yeah. light six two. Like I, yeah. So I I get it. The size is a is a concern for me. The shot selection is a huge concern for me. I mean, there was there was, a, and I get it. He played on he didn't play on a very good team, and he was the only guy. I, I get that, but I mean, you got to have better shots. So, I mean, this guy just, I mean, this dude. You talk about Terry Rozier. I mean, he would take shots that would make Terry Rozier happy. <laughs> God, I mean, that was just some shots. I'm like, yo, this dude is pulling up from like basically. Basically, the, the half court line just chucking shots up. I'm like, really? Just no, just no thought of passing there, right? Just none, zero. Okay, yeah. yeah no, I get it. I I don't know. I'm 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 more undecided with Trey Young. Like, I I could see him being great, and then I can see him being a bust. Like, I could, and, and that goes against everything I said because I said I was in the middle with Trey Young. But like, I you know, I can see him. I can see him going either way. Like, I I don't want to sit there and say, like, I don't know what he's going to be or how his game is going to translate. Like, again, I could see him going either way. Like, um, you know, I'm trying to find the comparison to to, to him, who I think is. Because a lot of people have said, like, oh, he's going to be, you know, Steph Curry. He's going to be this guy. And I'm trying to and I'm trying to find a – and this player's name is escaping me and it's going to bother me. Then now I have to look it up. Um, because it's bothering me. It's bothering me that his name is just escaping me right now. Uh, played for the Bucks. Started his career with the Bucks. I think he's out of the league right now. What year? Uh, two thousand nine, two thousand ten ish. Oh, Michael Michael Carter Williams. No, not Michael Carter Williams. Oh God, what is his name? Oh, my God, I'm, it's kill, It's driving me insane right now. Played for the Bucks. Had a fifty point game, like one of his like first three games. 
God, I cannot remember his name for the for the for my if my life depended on it. I can't remember his name right now. Oh my God! He came out. I think he came in the same draft that uh that Steph Curry came out of. Oh jeez, Brandon Jennings. I would. Brandon Jennings. Oh yeah, I can see him I being a Brandon Jennings. That's an interesting comparison. I didn't think about it like that. I could definitely see that. Like, remember when Brandon Jennings, and I almost, and I fell for it too. Like, remember when Brandon Jennings was balling out like his first year in the NBA? And then people eventually figured out what Brandon Jennings was, and then it was like, yeah, it was over. <laughs> yeah, that was. Oh, Brandon Jennings, man. <laughs> But that, but that's the like that's the comparison. I, like that's what I see in Trey Young. Like I can see him being a Brandon Jennings type. Like maybe a little bit better, yeah. maybe a little bit worse. But that's like his his absolute comparison. Like I can see him being a Brandon Jennings. Yeah, that's true. Um, what's another guy that like? So okay, so I thought I said I was going to give you some names. So okay, how about Michael Porter Jr. Okay, when I was first watching this and I saw Michael Porter Jr. fall all the way to number 10, I was crossing my fingers that the Sixers would take him. I was hoping for another another Sixers injury story that turns out to be a superstar. It's not like, watch, he's going to go to Philadelphia. He'll be out for a year, year mm-hmm. and a half maybe. He'll come in, win rookie of the year, even though he's not <laughs> a rookie, and just get <laughs> And captivate the NBA. But that didn't happen. He went to Denver. Nonetheless, I still think Michael Porter Jr. People forget that he was the top high school prospect going into college. Like, that doesn't just go away once you have an injury. Granted, this injury, if you're having back issues at 19, 18 years old, I think that's definitely something that you need to consider and just take it slow going into the league. Maybe he sits out for two years. I don't know. But once Paul Millsap is out of the picture in Denver, it's Nickley, uh, Gary Harris, uh, Paul Murray, Michael Porter Jr. That's a sick young core. That is a great young core to have on your team. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think Denver got a steal. I, 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 I can't knock teams for not taking Michael Porter in that, in that lottery. I mean, I, I, you know, I can't knock the Knicks. I can't knock the, you know, I can't knock the Sixers. I can't knock teams for not taking Michael Porter. That's a huge risk to take. I mean, this is a guy that has back injuries. That's, that's one thing you don't play around with is back injuries. You, you can't play around with that. Um, and, and especially all the things that leading up to the draft, I mean, there was some, there was some, I don't know how true you think these are. You know, maybe he wasn't, devo- you know, delving, you know, he wasn't devoiding all of the information as concerning his injuries and, you know, some of his medical stuff didn't check out right. Who knows? We'll probably never know the full story of, of that. But when you have that, when you have a history of, of a back injury and then you have all the other imaginations that go on in the, in the draft lead up, I, I can't knock teams for saying, you know, we're not going to take. I mean, I'm sure the Knicks would have loved to take him. I'm sure. I, I, no matter of fact, I know the Knicks would have loved to take him. I know the Sixers probably, if they weren't so, if they weren't fawning for LeBron the way they are, like I know that the Sixers probably would have. I'll say this: if if this had been the Sixers of two years ago, I know the Sixers take him. But you know, it, it you know, it, I can't knock them for saying, you know what, we can't take that risk, especially with Fultz. Yeah. You know, and how that turned out. No, so, 100%. so I, I, yeah. so I get it. And, you know, I think Denver, you know, I think Denver was in a position where like, Hey, we're a win now team or we're a win now ish team. Um, and 
you know, they're, 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 you know, they're a team that, you know, just missed the playoffs by one game. They've got a pretty good core nucleus there already established. They could probably afford to draft Michael Porter at the end of the lottery and say, you know what? Let's draft this kid. Let's stash him away for a year. I mean, there's already rumors that he's going to sit out next year, which is smart. Sit out next year, or at least the majority of next year. Get him healthy, get him right. And like you said, if this dude could play like I saw him in high school and I thought the kid was, I thought the kid was phenomenal. I was like, man, this dude is, this dude is, this dude is great. Like this kid has a chance. And I, you know, hey, if, if he's healthy and can play the way that, you know, he's shown he can play, I mean, the Nuggets got to steal. I agree with you. Yeah. No, the Nuggets definitely walked away. I don't know if they're the, the winner of the draft, but they're definitely. Top five with the teams in the draft. Uh, yeah, I, I I always hate doing winners and losers of the draft. Like I just uh, to me it, it, to me I, I hate doing it in all drafts. I think you could at least you could just at least justify it a little bit in the NFL. The NBA to me, I mean, it's completely a labor and stupidity. Like why? We, we don't know. We don't know what Luka Doncic is going to be in three years. We don't know this. We, I mean, even even Aiden and Bagley, like we don't know. Like, we think they won, but I don't know. Aiden can break his ankle. You know, summer league, and he's out for a year. Like we don't know, we don't know. So yeah, it, to me, it's hard to do winners and losers. But yeah, I, I like Michael Porter a lot. I I think the kid can play. So I think the kid can play. So yeah, definitely. Uh, and then I'm gonna give you one more name. No, I said I was gonna give you one more name. Um, but you go ahead. What was your point? I think Porter will be. He'll be a very. Very least, he will be a solid starter. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Um, I th- I see his floor being like an Evan Fournier type, like a like a bigger Evan Fournier or whatever. However you pronounce his last name, mm-hmm. like I can see him being that type of guy. And then if he and if he had, and, and there was a comparison that I liked, like he's a I, I, I forgot I think it was Chauncey Billups that gave this. Like he's a more athletic Keith Van Horn. Yeah. And I like that comparison. I was like, oh, when I actually thought about it, six ten height. I was like, yeah, I could see him being like a more like I like. I always like when I saw him. I was like, I think he's like, I think he's a more athletic, a more versatile Clay Thompson. Like that's when I like first like when I first watched him play. I was like, man, he's like he's like Clay Thompson with like dribbling ability and driving ability, like and more athletic. Like, but I could see the Keith yeah. Van Horman. Like, I think he's a like a more athletic, more like. Dynamic Keith Van Horn, like I can see him being that type of guy. So yeah, I, I, we're both fans of Michael Porter. It sounds like. Um, I'm gonna give you, and I'm gonna give you one, one more guy. Um, <sighs> trying to see here is the guy that I'm gonna give you. Mo Bamba. Ooh, okay. I love Mo Bamba only because uh, I live in Austin, so I'm. To watching UT basketball was something that I enjoyed doing. Uh, Mo Bamba, seven ten wingspan. He's going to be an incredible center in the league. My only problem is I don't know how well he's going to fit in, in, in into the league just going into the future because I definitely think he has that Rudy, Go, Rudy Gobert uh, prototype where he has the ability to make it in the league, but he just has to be able to be that dominant force in the paint on offense to compensate for. Uh, the three-point shooting that he lacks and the other things that make those points, those uh, kind of centers, but not really centers uh, that are successful in the league right now. But for Orlando, I get it that they wanted to take the best guy available, 
but you also already have Vucevic and Biombo, and I get it, you want to get rid of Vucevic already, but if they, honestly, they just need to get rid of Vucevic somehow, some way, so that Mo Bamba can just get that playing time. Listen. Because ultimately, I know... What's up? No, I was going to say, look, Orlando has – it feels like Orlando has drafted the same guy for like the last 10 years. Like seven-foot, <laughs> athletic, <laughs> you know, has questionable scoring ability but is athletic. And if he's – and if he develops, could be a very, very good player. Like they drafted Jonathan Isaac last year, Bamba. You can make the case they're similar players. Like I, I just – man, Orlando just continues to draft the same guy. I, I tweeted that and I'm just, I thought it was funny. But yeah, go ahead. My bad, man. I didn't mean to control yeah, no, 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 you're good. I was going to say that uh, it also feels like they're trying to replace Dwight Howard after all these years. Like, they want to get back to that big man superstar with Mo Bamba and try to replace Dwight Howard. And I think Mo Bamba, in their minds, is the right way to go about that. But Mo Bamba is definitely going to be a good starter. He's nobody to build your team around, but he's going to be a great, he's going to be a very, very good basketball player. Uh, he just has all the tools for it. As long as he doesn't turn into a Hassan Whiteside, we'll be okay. <laughs> no, I, I like Bamba. I, I, I like I like what I see him from him. I think he's. I, think, I don't know if he's ready to contribute right away. I still think he's got some refining in his game, but um, I, I think Bamba's got a chance to be really good. I agree with you. Yeah, I agree with you. All right, so if I ask you right now, who's the player in this draft that you just think it's completely? I guess you could leave Trey Young out of it. Because um, we've already talked about it, but who's the player in this draft that you just you just don't get the love? Like, why is he loved the way he's loved? Like, you just don't get it. You don't see it. You know, you hear the praise and you're just like, really? Like, I don't see it. Now, I will warn you, Noah. I, I did listen back to the last show or last summer show that we were on, and you that when I asked you the same question, you brought up Lori Markkinen. Um, I don't know if you want to redact those statements after the rookie season, Lori Markkinen had. Uh, but, uh, yeah, who is the player that you, uh, first of all, first of all, respond to the Lori marketing thing and then give me your guy that you, you think is just completely overrated in this draft. Well, uh, I appreciate you keeping me humble and exposing me, uh, <laughs> my Lori marketing take. I thought that had gotten buried within the archive. I had to bring that up, man. Podcast. Um, we're just, <laughs> we're just not going to address that right now. Lori marketing he, I'll take it back. Laurie Markkinen was very, very good. He can only get better. Right. Um, but I will say this. I don't understand the love and hype around number one overall pick, DeAndre Ayton. Really? Ah, another Arizona guy. Okay, yep. pray do tell. Go ahead. Another <laughs> – I guess I have something against Arizona guys. I don't, I don't know. But he's a guy who produces on offense. He – doesn't play defense, but granted, you can't take college defense into account just because look at Ben Simmons, look at other guys in college who don't play defense. They just don't have like a super good team, so they don't really feel like they need to put the effort in on defense. But I think he's a prototype. He's a he's a guy who would fit super well in an offense in like the 1990s, but I don't think he's going to fit super well in Phoenix. Granted, I will take this back if he can fit in and do things the way that everybody's expecting him to do. But I haven't seen anything in college that's going to make him a super dominant force against other big guys in the NBA. Like put him up against like a DeAndre Jordan. I don't see him do 
doing anything against because just I don't think he has the capacity to move those big guys around in the paint. Like I feel like he can get pushed around. But again, I will take these back if he can <laughs> and be a force on defense, which the Suns need. And if he can be that big guy in the paint who can bully some guys. Really? That's that's surprising. You're like the first person that I've heard that that's hasn't been as high on on Aiden as as because it seems like he's just universally loved. Um, I, I I like Aiden. I think he's got a chance to be good. Um, I think Bagley's better, and I don't understand. Like, I don't want to say knock that Bagley's gotten, but I kind of feel like people have just kind of like. Oh yeah, Bagley's good too. But Aiden, yeah, Aiden's yeah, like, like really? Did you guys not watch Marvin Bagley play? Like, I, I, I even, I'm even Justin Jackson. Like he, he's gonna fit so well in uh, Memphis. Oh, uh, be that perfect guy next to Marcus Gasol. Noah, Noah, Noah. This is where I have to do. No? This is I. That's my guy. That's my guy. That's my guy. Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh my God, that guy! I do uh, not see it. I'm like, what is the love with this kid? Like, I get it. He's got the physical tools, but I'm just like, I watched him at Michigan's, I watched him at Michigan State, and I'm like, eh, he's okay. He's good. Like, he's got talent, but I'm like, fourth pick in the draft? Like, there were some people saying that he might be better than Bagley. I'm like, what? Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, what? Like, did you guys not watch this guy play? Like, what? What? I don't see it. I'm sorry. I, I I do not see it with Jaron Jackson Jr. And I'm and, and and I brought up the Lori marketing thing. Hey, you're talking to the guy that thought Anthony Davis was going to be a bust coming out of Kentucky. So uh, I've I've eaten I've eaten a lot of crow over the years. So trust me, do not do not take offense to stuff like that. Trust me. Uh, but no, like I, last no, year, I'm definitely not a I'm not a big super draft guy, so I don't want to get into it. I'm just an NBA guy talk, trying to make sure, trying to pretend I'm good at draft stuff. Right, we all are. We all are. But no, seriously, like I, I like last year, I, my guy was Josh Jackson from Phoenix that, you know, Phoenix took coincidentally, and I was just like, I just don't see it. And then I think I was proven right for the most part. Like, he didn't have a great rookie season, and then this year, I just don't see it with Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm just like, like, and I tried to go back and watch some highlights, and I'm like, did I miss something? And I just like, eh, like, it's just, he's okay. But I'm like, like, to me, I see a guy that, I, I see a Dale Davis type, you know, plays in the league for 13, 14 years. Good player, solid player, but I don't see superstar. I don't see a guy you, you build your team around. I, again, I could be wrong, completely wrong. I'm no expert, but I just, I don't know. I don't see it with Jaron Jackson Jr. I, I just, I don't, I don't get the love affair. I really don't. Yeah, uh, I you know I get it just because he has that stretch capability where he can stretch out, but he can also he has the tools. The tools is the key. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just laugh at myself because I always ridicule people that say the tool and that the thing that everybody will die on a knife on if they say this guy has the tools to be good. He has the tools to be good. On right, him. right. <laughs> he does have the tools to be good. Yeah, no, I mean, again, he's, he's got all the measurables and things you like. I just, I don't know. I watched him, I watched him play and I was just like, eh, I'm not really that impressed. Like, I was just like, ah, I was waiting to be wowed and I was just like, eh, not really wowed. Um, and then especially like late in the draft process where like a lot of people were saying like, oh, he might be better than Bagley. And I was just like, wait, what? No way. First of all, did you guys, did you guys not watch the game he played against Bagley? Bagley completely was the best player on the court. Not even close. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't see that one, but yeah, that's interesting with Aiden. You know, I like Aiden. Um, I'm, I'm higher on him than you are. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think he's the slam dunk that I think everybody else thinks he is. Like, like, oh, it's almost like guaranteed. Like, no, I, 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 I can see there being some holes in his game. Um, but no, I, I like him more than I think you do. Um, I do think Bagley's better just because I think that, and I, and I said this earlier on the podcast that I was like, I feel like Aiden is already a finished product in a way. Like, I think you kind of know what you're going to get from DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. I think Bagley has more upside. Like, I think Bagley, he's like, he, he, they both could come in and start and be rookie of the year candidates next year. But I think Bagley has a higher ceiling. Like, I think Bagley, like we're just scratching the surface of how Bagley, how good Bagley could be. Yeah. I think Aiden, I agree. Like Aiden, you already know what you're going to get. I don't think he necessarily, will get better unless he wants to. Like, that's a very vague phrase to say, but I think DeAndre Aiden already has this aura of I'm going to be good, so I don't know how much I need to work on, whereas Bagley has, you can see he has that hunger and mentality to get better and to be to be the best player from this draft class. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I know it's I know it's a Duke guy, and everybody's gonna accuse me of being Duke biased. Uh, whatever, the guy's great, so whatever. But and I'm not saying Aiden's gonna be bust. You know, I'm just saying that I, I just think Bagley's be a little bit better. That's all. But yeah, let's let's move on from the draft. I, I think we've covered it enough. Um, let's let's get on to what everybody wants to talk about. Kawhi Leonard. Um, oh. dude, I. I all season long, and I and I, I had many guests and many co-hosts, and I asked him, "Is there something to this Kawhi Leonard thing?" And a lot of people, I was surprised. A lot of people were like, "Nah, it's a lot of rumors, a lot of stuff." Blah, blah, blah. I don't buy it. And I always kind of felt like, "Man, there's there's where there's smoke, there's fire with this stuff." And what really did it, what really yeah. sold it for me was the Tony Parker comments, where basically, you know, he basically said, "I had the same injury and I came back." And this. like, you don't see, you don't see players in general say that, but especially teammates. That was jarring yeah. to me. That was eye-opening to me. First of all, just talk about the whole Kawhi Leonard. Because I'm just like, I'm confused. Like, And then you hear a lot of the new, like, oh, he's got an uncle in his ear and things of that nature. And I'm just like, I'm just confused. Because I was like, I thought that this was a guy that was like a match made in heaven in San Antonio. A quiet guy, doesn't really like the limelight, doesn't really like the spotlight. And then this year, all of a sudden, everything has changed. So what what is what do you make of... And the people that you've talked to in your NBA circles, like, what do you, what do you make of all of this Kawhi Leonard stuff? Um, that it is very real, but that it also doesn't look like the Spurs will move him. Just because the Spurs don't want to trade him to another West team, but Kawhi only really wants to go to another West team because that's where all the competitors go. Honestly... Uh, if he doesn't go, the question then becomes, is he going to sit out another year or is he going to play? Because I really don't know what other option I think he's, has. If I think he's going to play. I think he's got to play. I mean, I think he's he, Yeah, he's got to play. I, I, I'm a believer that once you get to the point where guys are talking about trades and you're having to answer questions about trades every day, you almost have to trade him. Like, I think you can't allow this guy back in your locker room. Like, I, I don't, I don't see how you can allow this guy back in the locker room. Like, how do you, how does this guy go in that locker room and, and, you know, wherever they do their, 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 you know, their training camp and say, Hey guys, I'm, you know, I'm back. I'm ready to help us win. Like, I, I just don't see how that's a, 
that's a that's a workable situation. Like, how do you go there and you face a Tony Parker? How do you go? I mean, this guy didn't even go to Pop's wife's funeral. I mean, uh, let's be honest. Kawhi Leonard took yeah. a hit. Like, Kawhi Leonard's reputation, at least in my book, it took a hit. Because, like, this is a guy, like, people forget, he was cleared to play. Now, you can have your skepticism about, you know, team doctors and their motivations, whatever the case may be. I get that. But this was a guy that, from by the letter of the medical law, he was cleared to play. He was healthy. He was deemed healthy enough to play, and he decided to sit out. You can make the case. Now, I, I never want to do this with injuries because it's, you know, it's just not fair and right to do that with guys' injuries in their bodies. But you can make you can make an argument that he quit on the Spurs last year. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I don't know what is going on. I really want, want to know. I want Kawhi to come out and say something. He hasn't said anything. And it's been a, a year. You could even say it's been like a year and a half and he hasn't said anything. And granted, that's who he is and he's this quiet guy. But when you've got this much publicity and talk and you're basically the Kardashian of the NBA right now, you got to say something. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I agree. It's just, it's just been a lot of rumors and his representatives and his uncles and his brothers and his cousins, cousins and a lot of rumors like that. But it's, it, it's been nothing. From his take, and it's just like I don't get it. Like I don't like, and and you know a lot of the rumors are that he feels like the Spurs turned his turned turned their backs on him when he like. But dude, you didn't want to play. Like the Spurs, like the Spurs are a, a throwback organization, and they're an organization that they're used to dealing with guys like Tim Duncan, David Robinson. Just like if you had to carve out guys that you just the ultimate guys you want to be faces of your franchises like those are two guys you want to start out with guys that don't say anything that aren't controversial that just they just show up do their jobs and play 15 years like those are the two guys like so like you have to understand and pop is as throwback as they are like like what did you expect that they were just going to be like oh okay Kawhi, you're cleared to play but you don't want to play or you you know you think you're going to hurt your chances at free agency like well yeah we'll support you like that just wasn't going to happen I, so I, I'm confused yeah, I, as to what his his logic was in dealing with all this. I don't know. If, I honestly don't know if Kawhi thought this through. I don't know if he thought it would have escalated to what it is right now because I feel like all of us could have foreseen this happening, but I don't know why Kawhi didn't think this through all the way. It just doesn't look like it was a very well thought out plan, and now he's in this place where he's just done. Like he just dropped, he dropped it and he's done. He just doesn't want anything more to do with the Spurs. And if I'm the Spurs, like you said, I'm trading him, but I'm not trading him necessarily to where he wants to go. go. If I'm the Spurs, I'm trading them. I'm trading him to where I'm going to get the best for him. Like, I don't care where he's going to go because in a year he'll go wherever he wants to go because he can take that year. If you're the Spurs, maybe take it left. Yes. You, he gave up a year for you, so you give up a year for him. Trade him somewhere Absolutely, you're going to get the best for him, and then he can go wherever he wants. Absolutely. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think they don't trade him. In a, I, there's no way in hell. First of all, let me put this out. I'm a Laker fan. I hate the Spurs. There's no way in hell they're going to help the Lakers. No, just It's not happening, No, and, and no. nor should they. Nor should they, because if the roles were reversed, there's no way I'm trading them to the Spurs. Like, hell no. I don't care what I don't care what package they're going to offer me. I, hell no. So yeah, I don't think he's going to LA. I don't think he's getting traded. So I think he's going to the Eastern Conference somewhere. 
Um, I, I could see a Paul George, a similar type of situation to like a Paul George situation where they're just going to be forced to making a trade. I think they're going to make the best trade that they seem fit. And I think you're going to, and plus the other thing with this is too, if you're a team, why, A, I would have a lot of reservations about trading for this guy. I really would. A, he's a free agent and he can leave after next year. And if you believe the rumors, he wants to be in LA or he wants to be in New York. You don't know what you believe from day to day, but whatever. Believe the rumors. He's a free agent. He can do whatever he wants next summer anyway. And B, this is a guy that's coming off an injury. You know, I know he was cleared to play, but this was a guy that nonetheless is still coming off an injury. And then after that, this is a guy that you literally have to sit down and have a conversation with. Like, dude, this dude, you can make the argument he quit on his team. Like, he quit on his entire organization. Like, if I'm a yeah. GM, that would that would bother me. Like, I would – me and Kawhi and his people would have to have a serious – you know, sit down on a table and have a powwow conversation about what went on last year. Cause I'm like, that would bother me. So there's a lot of things. So this isn't a slam dunk yeah. thing that everybody else makes it out to be. Like there's a lot of reservations that I would have as a GM trading for this guy. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I'm just, yeah. So, I, so I, if I, I, I trade for Kawhi, honestly. So if I put a gun to your head right now, like right now, put a gun to your head and made you make a decision right now. In October 25th, where's Kawhi Leonard playing basketball? San Antonio. Really? You think that? Really? Wow. Yeah. Even after all, I know all of what I just said. I think he's going to stay in San Antonio just because I have this, I have this weird feeling, whatever you want to call it, that when Kawhi goes back to San Antonio and plays in front of the fans, he's going to want to stay. I think he's been away and he's been listening to people talk into his ear. And I think whenever he gets back and just starts playing with everybody in San Antonio again, he'll want to stay. You think that relationship is repairable? At least in the locker room? You think it's repairable? I, I think Kawhi has to really humble himself even more so than he already does. And yeah. Has to I don't. Hands and knees. Begging for forgiveness. I don't but know, I do man. Think it can be repairable ultimately. You don't think it can? I don't know. I, I if you listen to all the rumors, and I, again, you gotta what what is true, what isn't, who knows? But I mean, man, if you listen to all these rumors, and the thing that would just would really worry me is like guys like Paul Gasol, you know, Ginobili. You know, guy, I mean, these are respected guys across the league, and they they weren't exactly, you know, supportive of Kawhi Leonard. And now you're bringing this guy back into that locker room, and then all the things that have gone on this summer that have, that have only added to the fire. I don't know, man. I just I don't know. I I don't know how you, I don't know how you bring him back in that locker room. Like I I don't with everything that happened last year with him not playing. Then essentially, if you read the reports that he didn't even, he didn't even like, he basically disappeared when the, when the Spurs, when, when Pop's wife died, like he wasn't at the funeral service. He wasn't on the bench in the playoffs. Like he just did just not, he just completely divorced himself from the organization. Like, I don't know, man, that's, that's, that's some faith there. If you think he's coming back to the San Antonio, I mean, I, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened, but I, I don't know. I don't see it. I don't know. I could be completely wrong, but I, I don't see it. I feel like, I don't know. Everyone says that Kawhi's heart is in LA. I feel like it's just, it's in San Antonio. That, all this talk about Kawhi being the next 
Tim Duncan-esque in San Antonio doesn't just go away after a whole year, I feel like. Yeah, that, and that's the thing that made it so weird. It's just like it just came out of like out of nowhere. Like it just literally just came out of nowhere. This thing, like it just kind of felt like, yeah. man, this thing just all of a sudden just blew into something that I don't think anybody really expected it to be something. Exactly. I don't know. We will we will see what happens, but I, I definitely I I've got I'm holding it with an open hand because I don't know what to expect. Interesting. Okay. Well, let's move on to another. The, the 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 center of the NBA universe. It seems like every off season, LeBron decision part three. Uh, are you like me, just completely tired of LeBron and the decisions? And like, I'm just at the point now, like, dude, just pick somewhere to play. Like, just just stop with this. Willie won't he? Will he resign? Will he leave? Will you know two year deal? Sign five? Like, just enough already. Just sign somewhere and just play. Like enough, really. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to get in there. I'm just, I want him to pick somewhere and just not have any speculation about going anywhere else because it'd be nice if he actually had a good, but I also get it from his standpoint. Like he wants to go somewhere else to win another championship. But if I was LeBron, I would just stay in Cleveland and try to solidify the, the argument between him and Michael Jordan because I definitely think he can if he stays in Cleveland. I agree with you. I, I think I think going somewhere else now at this stage in your career, I think it only hurts your legacy. I really do. Um yeah. because let's say he goes to the Lakers. Like, hey, I don't understand this fascination with going to I mean I get all the outside stuff and he lives there, is allegedly they enrolled him into school in LA, if you believe all that's all that crap, whatever. Um you know why would you go to LA? First of all, as soon as you walk into the building, you're being compared to Magic, you're being compared to Kobe, you're being compared to Jerry West. Like, like LeBron has trouble being compared to like, you know, he calls it chasing ghosts. Now you're going to the ultimate franchise that's chasing ghosts. Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Like, if you have a bad playoff game, well, Kobe would have never did that. Well, Jerry West would have never did that. Well, Elgin Baylor would have never played like that. You know, like, why would you do that to yourself? Like, you're just automatically setting yourself up for failure. And then not to mention, he has trouble beating the Warriors, what, one series a year? And that's the finals. Now you're going to play them four times a year and play them in the conference semifinals or conference finals. Like, really? <laughs> that is that what you want to do? I, I just, I've never seen it. I, I just don't see it. To me, stay in Cleveland. Like you're only hurting your legacy, and to me, you're only you're hurting your you're hurting the message that you're. Because all I heard was, "Oh, you really miss being home," and his wife was homesick, and blah blah blah, and how much he likes Ohio, and he loves Cleveland, and Cleveland in his blood, and yada 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 yada. Cue the violence. And now, like four or five years later, like, oh yeah, let me go to LA because I want to win a championship. Like, really? That's so much for that love for Cleveland. Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah, just. And I think it hurts his. T- I think it hurts his. I think it hurts the team, whatever team he's on, that he doesn't commit long term. I think it hurts the team. I really do because I think the team is in constant state of limbo. <laughs> yeah. No, LeBron. If he goes to another team, whatever team he's on. They stay in limbo because they need to keep LeBron there. And But another thing that I was wondering about is why would LeBron go to L.A.? Because he likes to play with veteran players, which we've known for a while. But why would LeBron go to L.A. to play with a bunch of young 
players who don't have a chance of winning a championship for the next like three years. Yeah, and if I'm a, and I'm a, and I'm a Laker fan, and full disclosure, I'm not a LeBron James fan. I don't want them to. I I kind of want to see the young core grow. Like I'm excited about our young core. Like I know Lonzo had an up and down rookie season, but I still think that he showed enough that there's something there, definitely. And I like Ingram. I like Kuzma. I like Randall. I like the development and the maturation that Randall's taken. Like I like the guys that that we have. I want to see these young players grow. I want to see these young players develop at least one more year before we start going crazy and trading guys and saying that, you know, we're basically going to build an all-star team. I just, I don't, I don't know. That's just me. Call me crazy. I don't want to see LeBron James on the Lakers. Yeah. I just, yeah, I I don't know. I just don't go, go ahead. I don't even know if he'll go there, but, um, I don't know. It'd just be interesting to see him go. I really don't know where else he's going to fit besides Cleveland. Cause Philadelphia, you stunt Ben Simmons. Is, uh, I mean, obviously, whatever team he's go to, whatever team he's going to go to, he's going to make them better. That's not what I'm trying to say that they're going to be worse. But I just think you stunt a lot of the young guys' growth, and whether that's going to be worth, worth it or not in the end for like maybe two years of LeBron. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think actually Philadelphia would be the best situation for him if I were him. Like to me, I go to Philly. You stay in the Eastern Conference. You're on a young team that's on the come up, on the cusp of being great. Um, I get the redundancy issues and the questions with Simmons, but I, I don't think I think it's I think he's in a better situation now than he was. Like had this happened like when he was twenty six and he had gone to the Sixers, like I think you would definitely have some redundancy question marks. But I think he's so much of a better offensive player now and later on in his career that I don't think those question marks will be there as much as they were maybe even even as early as you know three years ago. Um, and plus, I don't, I don't think he's ever had a question mark of having redundant. Like, remember, like when he first signed with the Heat, like there was redundancy questions about him and Wade because him and Wade had similar playing yeah. styles, you know, and they made it work. So I, I, I don't, I don't, I think they can make it work. I think they can make it work enough. I think that just the, the, um, the, the supreme level of talent would just be so overwhelming. I mean, you basically have three just supremely talented players on one team. Um, yeah, so I, I think they can make it work. But I, if I were him, Philly would be the only team I would consider, honestly. But I'm with you. Yeah. I stay in Cleveland. I try to make it work. Um, you know, because I think LeBron. I mean, because I, even even if LeBron stays in Cleveland, you you even next year you could still make an argument that they're still the favorite to come out of the East because LeBron is there, and as long as LeBron is is undefeated, you know, in the Eastern Conference in this run that he's had, you know, you still got to beat him. So. Why why go somewhere else and risk it? I agree. And more rapid fire, Paul George. What do you see Paul George doing? Is he going to LA? Is he staying in OKC? A lot of rumors that he's staying in OKC now for the the two year and an opt out. What do you, how do you see that situation ultimately playing out? I think for Paul George's sake, he stay in Oklahoma City and try to grind it out one more season. Um I don't see him going to L.A. Or I take that. I, I could see him going to L.A., but I honestly, I think this one's honestly been swept under the rug. But any other free agency, this would be one of the top stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's hard to tell just because there's not a lot of talk about it. So I'm not entirely sure what to think about it. Yeah, I, I think he's kind of playing it a lot uh, close to the vest. I think, I think he goes to L.A. Okay. I think he goes to LA. 
And I, and I don't know how I feel about it, too. Like, it's weird. Like, I like Paul George. I just, I've always felt like with Paul George, like, is he a difference maker? Like, is he a guy, like, 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 I think he's a difference maker on the Sixers. Like, I think he's a difference maker on the Cavs. Like, I think if you have a good team, he makes you better. But if you're like a so-so team or you're a bad team, does Paul George make you better? Eh? Eh? Like, I think, I think Paul Like, if you're a 12 seed, he makes you an 8 seed. Yeah, I think he's a good second option on our team. I don't know if he's necessary. He used on the Pacers. He was an excellent first option, but I think just as times gone on and he's playing with Westbrook now, I think he's done very well at taking a back seat. I think he can go back to being that first if he's the number one option. He, he can make a difference, but if he's the second option, I think he can push you a little bit over the edge in a game here and there. But I don't think he can push you over the edge as a second option. I disagree. The sole attention, I think, to push a team super far. Yeah, I think you disagree on that one. I see. I see. To me, to me, like he's the perfect Robin. Like I would love to see him go somewhere and be somebody's Robin to to some to their Batman. Like I just think he's that perfect guy. He's a, he's a two way guy, plays defense. I think he could be that guy. Like I don't like him as the as the as the guy. Like that's why I think Indiana never won those mm-hmm. years. Like he's a good player, but I don't know if he's a superstar. He's not a transcendent player. He's not a guy that ah, you put Paul George on this team, they're winning. Like I just don't see that. Like to me, if he goes to Portland, like he's perfect for Damian Lillard. He's their Robin. He's that guy that he's that missing piece for them. You know, if he goes to you know, and I'm just making these teams up. Pelicans, like if he goes to the Pelicans, yeah. like he's the perfect wingman for Anthony Davis. You know, in Cleveland, like. He'd be, he'd be, he'd help LeBron in that situation. Like, you know, if you told me like, oh yeah, he's going to sign a $200 million supermax contract with the Nets. Woohoo. Like, are the Nets better? <laughs> yeah, they're better. They're an eighth seed now. I don't know how much better they're going to get. Like, I just don't see him as that guy. That's just my point. That might, my point there. Yeah. It's a good point. Uh, yeah, I definitely think. I still think he'd be a good fit in Cleveland. I just don't know how willing he is to go there. Yeah. Who knows? And let's wrap it up. I mean, anything anything in free agency that you're looking forward to? Anything that you're like – besides, I mean, we talked about the bigs, Kawhi, LeBron, George. Anything else in free agency that interests you that you're like really focused on that you're going you're gonna to keep a close eye on? I definitely think I'm going to try to keep a close eye on Miami in the offseason just because not only just because I'm a fan, but just to see whether they're going to Pat Riley's going to make any big moves. He was talking about the moving up in the draft, but I don't think I didn't think he was going to and he didn't. Um, but I think that I don't think there's going to be any more big moves that they'll make either besides possibly re-signing Wayne Ellington, however big. That is, which is not very. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the Paul George storyline is definitely going to be something that I'll keep an eye on just because uh, the talk about it is not as big as LeBron or Kawhi. I just think that Paul George storyline is something to definitely keep an eye on because he could go somewhere where we're not expecting him to go. Are they going to trade Whiteside? <sighs> no, I wish they would, though. <laughs> Bam Adebayo needs those Whiteside minutes. Um, I saw a tweet the other day that said Whiteside's been uh, – he's changed his mentality and he's ready to be a team player again. But that's been the same tweet that we've seen for the past three seasons. So 
Um, he'll stay. He's going to have to finish out his max contract because Pat Riley likes him too much, and then he will probably go sign somewhere else. But we're I think I'm stuck with Whiteside for about two more years. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy, and the storyline for me, like I'm interested with teams about how teams evaluate Demarcus Cousins. Because, like, I think any other year, like, DeMarcus Cousins is, like, up there with LeBron, with George as the big fish in the free agency class. But I'm, I'm interested to see, like, I'll admit, like, I love DeMarcus Cousins, but I would be scared. Of, a big man with an Achilles injury is never a good thing. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. Big man with injuries are not um, somebody that you want to look out for because they're usually – they have, especially an Achilles injury, after they have – any, any injury with their leg, usually they're not as mobile laterally. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. I can see him maybe signing a one year deal, like a, like a, almost like a, a makeup, a one year deal with the Pelicans and, you know, oh, rehabbing okay. and then coming back maybe in February or something and balling out and then going on on the free agent market next year. Mm-hmm. I can I see, see that. that. Because, I mean, if I'm a team, like, I know there's rumors that the Mavericks like him and they want to sign him or whatever. But, I mean, if you're a team, like, why would you give him a max contract or even, like, a three-, four-year deal unless you see this guy play again? Like, why would you do that? Yeah, but you you know there's going to be teams out there. Yeah, I, oh, I, oh, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, you know there's going to be teams out there. I just, I'm just thinking about it from a more common sense standpoint. Like, I don't know. I would struggle, you know, theorizing, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give this guy a four-year deal you know, $100 million, and this guy's a big man coming off an Achilles injury. Like, I just, I don't know. I'd be worried about that. Yeah. Cool. Cool, man. Anything else you want to get to before we get out of here, man? Um, no, I think we kind of covered it all within our little hour and 20 yeah. minutes. But, hey, yeah. I think we covered a lot of it. I, think I do. Good. Props to that, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Before I let you go, man, uh, it's been a while since you've been on the show. So, yeah, let the let the listeners know what you've been up to, what you got coming up, uh, where they can find you, social media, all that good stuff. Let's see. What have I been up to? I haven't been doing a whole lot of writing, but I am trying to get my podcast off the ground a little bit. Uh, the Noah Tour podcast. Hoping to, get it, hoping to get you on soon. It's been... I think like a couple weeks since I've done an episode, but the latest one I did with uh, Ryan Kalbrowski over, he's a, a writer for Hoops Hype. We talked a, a little hip hop, some Kanye, mental health. Um, I try not to focus too much on basketball, just try to have a little fun with it. Um, cool. But yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at Noah Tour. And yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Uh, any, any, any ideas of like what's the next podcast episode, things you're thinking of, that sort of thing? You know, I'm not sure. I may just hop on, hop on the mic myself at night, and just kind of, just kind of talk. We'll see. <laughs> those are usually, honestly, those are usually like the the ones where you get the most energy. I guess I don't know. Like, it's cool to just kind of just open up, just let light the mic, the mic up, and just start talking, man, about ideas and just things that are on your mind. It's 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 actually therapeutic. It really is. Especially if you get to rant about your team. That's so if you so if you go on there and just rant about you know the heat or. I know you're a Cowboys fan, aren't you? I am. Yeah, I can go rant about my the, all the 29 suspensions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let you live on the Cowboys. I'm not even gonna bring that up for you. I'm just I'm just gonna let you pass on that one. <laughs> I appreciate it. Cool, man. Well, yeah, man. Go ahead and listen to Noah Tour, the Noah Tour podcast. Um, 
you know, I know he's done some work for Bleacher Report, so be on the lookout. I'm sure he's got some big things planned out, man. Uh, Noah, man, I appreciate you joining us on the show. As always, man, it's always a good time when you're on the show. And uh, we will definitely do it again next time. Maybe not eight months from now, but definitely sooner than that. <laughs> yes, sounds good, man. Good to be on. Good to be on. Appreciate you having me. Cool, man. Definitely. Anytime. Files of the week. And my file of the week this week goes to the University of Connecticut, aka UConn, and their handling of Kevin Ali. Um, now a report came out this week um that Kevin Ali that UConn I guess revealed what the what the circumstances behind the Kevin Ollie firing. If you guys remember, I went I remember a couple weeks, a few months back actually, if you go back to last fall, I was ranting and raving about the fucking Huskies and their handling of Kevin of Kevin Ollie. Long story short is the Huskies want to wanted to fire Kevin Ollie, but they didn't want to pay him the eleven million dollar eleven million dollars remaining on his contract that they would have had to pay him had they fired him. So what they were trying to do is fire him with cause because I don't know if there was a there was a there was something in the contract or something that if they if they could prove that they fired him with cause they didn't have to pay him the you know the amount that was remaining on his contract or the buyout whatever you want however you want to classify it um be that as it may um so essentially they were they basically made up I don't want to say made up but basically used some like really mundane details and really kind of small miniature stuff to really oust the guy as as their way of saying like ha ah, see this is the reason why we fired him usually coaches get fired like hey if you're not performing it's not necessarily without with with cause it's essentially a team wants to make a change they don't like you as a coach anymore, and they want to hire somebody else. And they agreed to some kind of a settlement or a payout. Most teams agree to just pay out the contract, pay what's remaining, and just be done with it. And just go on and hire a new coach. UConn decided to take the cheap approach. UConn wanted to fire Kevin Ollie, but they didn't want to pay Kevin Ollie. So what they were essentially so essentially they come up with the idea of, oh well let's prove that we fired him with cause because he broke NCAA rules, he did this, he did that, and then we don't have to pay him the eleven million dollars. And I basically ranted and fucking raved to no end about that because I thought that just made UConn look really fucking, you know, really look lame as fuck. Like to me, if you're going to fire a guy, fire him. Don't fire him. But, oh, we don't want to pay him $11 million. So we're just going to we're just going to come up with issue, reasons why we fired him. And that's bullshit. Like, again, you want to fire a guy. You want to fire a coach because you don't feel like he's done a good job or you feel like it's time for a change or you want to make a change. Whatever, whatever the case is, any organization, any any organization of sports is 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 allowed to do that. But just you know what, be be upfront about it. Fire the guy and pay the pay the money, pay the money. And now a report comes out this week that Kevin Ollie was fired, and the reasons that they listed that he was fired um, were that he set up a meet and greet with Ray Allen for a recruit with Ray Allen. Uh, <clears throat> he shot baskets, so I guess he had a pickup game or played horse or taps or whatever. You, whatever that doesn't classify it. But he basically had a shoot around with a recruit, which is, I guess, a violation. Why? I don't know. 
And I forgot what the other one was, but just these like really bottom of the barrel, small, you know, like, you know, I mean, you got Sean Miller at Arizona, you know, basically um, delivering bags to the Aiton family household, you know, bags full of money. But of course, you know, you know, you, you play pickup games with a recruit, you know, that's, that's, that's a fireable offense at UConn, apparently that bullshit. But, you know, so these were the, these were the harebrained excuses that they used to fire the guy. And again, I'm all for if you want to fire the guy, fire the guy. I don't have any problems with that. But if you're going to fire the guy, at least be stand up about it. At least be upfront and say, you know what? We're firing him. We don't want him as our coach anymore. And we'll pay him the $11 million and be done with it. And they hired Dan Hurley and we'll see if that's a great hire or not. I, I like Dan Hurley as a coach, so we'll see. But that's fine. But don't fire the guy. Be cheap about it and then try to act like, oh, well, we fired him because he violated these things. First of all, UConn has never been this bastion of doing things the right way. I mean, I like, I like Jimmy Calhoun, but I mean, he, he, you know, he cut some corners too. And, you know, there were some infractions in there and some education stuff and stuff like that. So UConn's never been this bastion of doing things the right way. Let's just put it that way. So again, I, I I find it hard to believe that this is the reason why they fired the guy. They just don't want to pay him. They don't want to pay him. And now, obviously, Kevin Ollie has a has a has something to fight about because I can, if I'm Kevin Ollie now, I'm basically saying I got wrongfully terminated. Pay me my money. Pay me my money. Pay me my money. Like nah, nah. Nah, y'all not gonna fire me and then make me out here look like I'm a bad guy or or a horrible or, or or a habitual rule breaker and then try to use it as a reason for me to be fired and then to not pay me my money. Like, no, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. I think it's upwards of ten million dollars. Upwards of ten million dollars. And this is all being pushed by by UConn president Susan Herbst. I don't know how to pronounce her name. I don't know if the B is silent or the S is silent or whatever. Herbst. You know, I guess she's ruling that, you know, she ruled that basically the firings of Kevin Ollie were predicated on recruiting violations and officially justified terminating him. I'm reading this on Deadspin and his contract, which is bullshit. They didn't fire him because of these rules. No, they've been wanting to get rid of Kevin Ollie for years or for at least a year or two. And again, they're they're justified to getting rid of Kevin Ollie. I'll be honest, Kevin Ollie hasn't done a good job. They they haven't been in the NCAA tournament the last two years in a row. They've they've been kind of a middling program. They've really lost their mojo since moving to the AAC. Like, I get it. I get it that you want to make a change. But at least be upfront about it. Don't use recruiting violations as a as a reason for why you fired the guy so that so that, so that you have to be, you know, held off the hook for not paying the guy the 10 million that you own. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's what bothers me. Anyway, fouls of the week. Susan Hurst, UConn basketball program, the entire UConn campus. Fouls of the week to them. Because they're doing Kevin Ollie wrong. And again, I'm not a Kevin Ollie, you know, I'm not a I'm not caping for Kevin Ollie to cape for Kevin Ollie, but I think they're wrong. They're wrong. And again, you want to fire the guy, fire him. Fouls of the week. UConn. I don't want to rant about it because I've had a good, I've been in a good mood, good show. I don't want to rant about it, but yeah, that whole thing just drove me insane with the whole Kevin Ollie thing. I'm like, really? This is what you're firing a guy for? For essentially a phone call to Ray Allen. Like, really? So he can meet a greeter recruit. Like, really? Is that, is that the level we've reached now in the NCAA? Oh, uh, anyway.
I'm going to get up out of here, man. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's sh- this week's show. Uh, we'll be back next week with another show. Got another guest lined up for this week. I'll announce it later on in the week on Twitter. But yeah, man, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing to the show. As always, you can find this show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, anywhere where you can find podcasts for free. We're there. Uh, listen and subscribe. Follow us on Facebook, The Technical File Podcast. Become a member of our TFP Nation. Follow us on Twitter at The TF Podcast One on Instagram, the TF Podcast. Follow me on Twitter at the Manual Brown on Instagram at the Manual Brown, Facebook Manual Brown, Snapchat Manny Bro Fifteen. I'm everywhere, so follow us. Get with us. We're still looking for name changes for the podcast. Haven't forgot about that. So if you guys have name change ideas, email the show at the TF Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, for Noah Tour, I am Manny Fresh. I am out of here. Peace. Enjoy the rest of you guys' week, guys. We'll be back next week. Peace. Serious Sarah.